Greetings, brave travelers. I bid you welcome to Valerius. Welcome to my home. My name is Vigil. Please, stay a time and listen well to the story of an errant knight, forsaken by fate and cast out from the light despite her gallant heart. Perhaps we are better for your company, but if you have any hope of surviving this journey, you must know something of this perilous place and the evil that dwells within. Remember, friends, to move with purpose, guard your soul, and always beware the darkness. Vast and lonely as the ocean that surrounds it, the realm of Valerius is home to all manner of man and monster. It's whispered among lesser souls, there are a thousand ways to die in Valerius, but only one way to live, in fear. Many believe this land forged by the gods from the ancient remains of fallen giants, or perhaps dead stars, that the first humans were crafted from earth and given this land to test their worth. No matter the truth, I can assure you Valerius lives up to the legends. From one domain to the next, the weather is fickle and violent, sometimes beautiful, oftentimes cruel. The brightest sky can in a moment transform into the swirling chaos of a nightmare squall, and the warmest day into a snow-smothered wasteland. To the east, storm-ridden crags pierce the azure sky above. To the west, enormous beasts hunt their prey in forests filled to bursting with thousand-year-old trees that block out the sun with their canopies. To the south, cunning creatures prowl the barren wastes in the sea of fire. And beneath the tumultuous blue waves, leviathans wait with mouths agape, ready to swallow those sailors foolish enough to think themselves lucky. Yes, in Valerius, Myriad dangers lurk at every turn. A thousand generations have arisen and perished. Their bones lay scattered among the black earth. Many have given in to despair, wasting their lives in constant fear of death. Some fled the land by sea, forsaking familiar shores, yet never to be heard from again. Others, in hearing the terrible cries of creatures waiting in the night, chose more expedient means of relieving their terror. But in time, survivors found each other, and together, their will to be more than harried beasts. No matter who you are, or where you come from, simple resilience and fortitude have become the most vital and respected qualities that any individual could possess. To survive is to live is to thrive and such is the way of those who refuse their dismal fate and take up arms to stand against the darkness and death that threaten them daily. These warriors established the Kingdom of Armatus, a protected sanctuary in 
which all citizens cooperate according to the laws of strength and honor. Anyone willing to defend the growing walls was welcome to the warrior's ranks, and in those days, so long ago, the most accomplished competed for authority, one emerging in time to become king. Noble houses were established by those venerable heroes who risked everything to pit steel and courage against claw and shadow, all to defend the kingdom and its people. Whether out of necessity or nobility, it's difficult for one such as I to say. All held fast to the singular, guiding maxim. Survive together or die alone. Those who lived learned well that a sword is only as strong as the person who wields it. And in turn, that person only as strong as the bonds of fellowship allow. Thus the young humans were bound in common cause, and the wheel of fate turned by their strength of unity. Having carved out its place with blood and tears, the little kingdom of Armitus thrived. Walls were built and fell, and then were rebuilt again. After several centuries of endless struggle, mankind stood atop mountains to challenge the threatening skies, walked the forest to hunt the beasts, and turned their attention from the dark places they once feared. Convinced of their dominion, the humans reveled in their hard-won victory. But alas, the peace could not last, for a new enemy stirred in the gloom beyond the veil that separates precious earth from boundless abyss. Born from the shadows of humans, demons watched their oblivious counterparts from the dark with envy. Empty, alone, and bound by the veil that parts void in earth, the shades whiled away their immeasurable time coveting the spark of human souls. And as the people of Valerius tamed the wilderness and built their cities, the demon's resentment only grew. Why should humans alone be allowed to enjoy land and sea and air? What cruel gods had doomed their dismal kind to nothingness, while humans basked in unearned freedom? The shades longed to inhabit the darkness within each human soul believing it their means of escaping eternal imprisonment. But such a task proved nearly impossible, for even the weakest humans will selfishly repelled entrance to the soul. And so they watched and protested fate. Frustrated by one attempt after another, the demons resorted to the vulgar possession of beasts and wild things to wreak havoc on their enemy. Their bodies and souls twisted in shadow by demonic corruption. Natural creatures became monstrous abominations, mindlessly fixated on the torment of errant humans. At the dawn of the Age of Men, the first shadow cast into the void was consumed like any other by insatiable jealousy. Its ambition, greatest among the veil bound, fueled a terrible purpose Appalled by the pathetic desperation of its companions, and unwilling to debase itself as they had, the first waited and observed mankind for millennia. Moments of joy, moments of sorrow, moments of contempt and grace. The demon drank in the spectrum of human experience, and with its knowledge grew its power.
it tested the limits of the void and veil, and in time was convinced there was another way. Another way to bend the human's will to its own. Dark dreams of horror and heartache began to haunt the human's sleep, eroding the will of those for whom the demons hungered. In time, the shadows of the wilderness creeped toward the kingdom of Armatus, and loomed ever more threatening over the human's grand achievement. Convinced of its supremacy, the demon reached out to the void and proclaimed victory. Eager to taste the freedom of Valerius, shadows throughout the darkness pledged themselves to the first, and combined with an immortal human host. Tyrannus, the primordial demon, was willed from many into one and unleashed upon the world. It has been 200 years since the monster's first defeat, but dark dreams have spread once again throughout Valerius, bringing with them portents of chaos and catastrophe. Aveline stared at the map on the table, a light of frustration igniting in her narrowed green eyes. Small wooden figures sat atop a detailed illustration of a mountain river and met her scowl with indifference. She studied the map, remembered carefully sketching the tangled trees and twisting river from memory, remembered dabbing the faded paint onto the large sheet of parchment with care. The paper felt rough and comforting beneath her fingertips. She wished she were sitting now beside a river, quill and paper at hand. The young squire brushed a rogue strand of hazel hair back behind her ear while she considered the tiny enemy's positions, one of the few habits that betrayed her nervousness. The cheap, rough-hewn plates of her soldier's armor clattered and creaked beneath her blue cloak as the knight's apprentice crossed her arms and shifted from one aching foot to the other. Over the young woman's shoulder, a large man of almost sixty years looked on. It's a beautiful map, but it ain't your art we're judging. Well, soldier, what do you make of these pikemen, these archers? We're waiting, he said. Lark stroked his long white beard absent-mindedly, grinning through the whiskers. For more than three decades, Lark had served as master strategist, and now, on her 19th birthday, he tested Aveline for knighthood. Seated at the massive oak desk behind them, the legendary great knight Roland watched his adopted daughter in silence. A cold expression rendered his face an inscrutable mask, his impression of Aveline's performance a mystery. The golden light of sunset poured into Roland's castle study, casting deep shadows behind everything in the room, but reflecting bright on his splendid armor. In the corner, nearest the desk, and always within arm's reach, the greatsword Durandal waited, its unremarkable, age-scarred appearance hiding its true nature. Beyond the study's wide, single window, Armatus's capital city of Lucidus stretched to the land's northern edge, its ancient buildings and vine-covered stone walls bathed in stark contrast of light and dark. Still further, the horizon belonged to the endless blue ocean, where gulls and fishermen alike shouted in chorus. A gentle breeze 
laden with the scent of low-tide salty brine, wafted into the room. Before Lark's final test, Aveline had raced leagues on horseback, battled a dozen men, and recited every oath. She hadn't even a moment to wipe the line of blood from a cut on her cheek. Aveline was tired, drenched in sweat, but after years of training, living and fighting, as Roland's loyal shadow, it was her duty to make her father proud. Aveline refused to come so far, only to be bested by a handful of wooden soldiers. Still, a doubt lingered in Aveline's heart. No other had achieved knighthood so young, and so few ever achieved it at all. What if she were not as capable as her teachers and peers believed? Why should she be exceptional? Swords and horses came natural to Aveline, but leadership was a different animal. As a knight, the lives of many men and women would depend on our judgment and fortitude. Life was simple as a soldier. Despite her deep commitment, young warrior Aveline felt unprepared for such responsibility and wondered how she could ever serve as honorably as Roland had. But in this moment, she knew it was too late for self-pity. She was walking the only path she knew, and now a simple test barred her progress. Aveline took a deep breath and quieted the tumult in her heart. She brushed the parchment once more for strength, then slammed her hands on the table, rattling the figures, and spoke with the confidence expected of her. I would deploy squads of archers along either side of the river, she said, deep into the forest so as to encircle the enemy. Cavalry flanked by shields would advance along the riverbank here and here, drawing the enemy's attention and springing their trap. Once in place, my archers would let fly, while the cavalry and shields press into the bush, trapping the enemy between arrow and lance. Aveline looked over the map, tracing the contours of the terrain in her memory and trying to think if there was anything she neglected. She stood up straight, folded her arms again, and pronounced, That's my answer. Lark stroked his beard and chuckled to himself. He looked intently at the map, as if considering his own approach. After a long moment, he put a hand in the wide pocket of his robe, removed a polished cherry wood pipe, and lit the contents of its bowl. He released a contemplative cloud of smoke and spoke in a gruff voice. I see the intent of your strategy. It's safe, simple. Not what I'd have done, but effective and with minimum casualties. After all I've seen today, young Aveline, I believe you'd make a... a horrible knight. That's what you were going to say, wasn't it, old friend? Roland interrupted as he rose from his desk, eyes dark and face obscured by shadow. The great knight took a slow, menacing step toward Aveline and Lark. The two looked on in startled confusion at a man they no longer seemed to recognize. He continued, You would make a horrible knight, Aveline, and you know it. Sure, you can handle a blade, but those people... Your soldiers, your friends, 
A blade is only an instrument of death. And make no mistake, you will kill them. Following you, they will all come to ruin. Roland, I... Aveline tried to protest, but was cut off by Roland's raised hand. Tendrils of black shadow wrapped around his fingers and wrists. Outside the window, the sun set on the horizon, and darkness settled over the walled city like a shroud. Don't even bother. You needn't argue. I can hear the mewling worry in your heart. The feeble desire to fight and die as one of the worthless many, as your real parents did. You think me your father, but I'm little more than a babysitter, chained to you out of some useless sense of honor. The black tendrils continued to envelop Roland as he stalked ever closer, and an inhuman grin spread across his lips. You know better than most of those pathetic animals that only the strong survive in Valerius Eveline. Only the strong. Only the worthy. Why not run home and dabble in your ink and paint like the coward we both know you are? Roland's eyes, so often complimented for their warmth and clarity, became two lightless pits. The young warrior was rendered speechless and horrified. At even his most furious, Roland had never spoken to his daughter in so harsh a manner. Over the course of the day's trials, she had been battered and bruised, but every snarling word sliced deepest into Aveline's heart. Lark stepped between Aveline and Roland, arms spread in the soldier's defense. The weathered strategist shouted, Roland, please, what's come over you? This is your daughter. The room grew darker, consumed each second by shadow. Suddenly, Roland's black gauntlet thrust into Lark's chest and emerged with a sickening crunch of flesh and bone from his back. Bright red blood splattered across the blues and greens of the map. Evelyn could feel warm droplets hit her face and hands. In her short life, she had borne witness to terrible violence, but none such as this between long-devoted friends. Her blue cloak soaked with red, the knight's apprentice backed away and knocked into the table, scattering the figurines that seemed so important a moment ago. Lark fell to the ground in a mutilated, twitching mess at Roland's feet. Dark blood voided his body to merge with the gloom around him. No! Aveline screamed. Her demonic father laughed heartily, the shadows nearest him growing ever darker as if the room had been plunged into an abyss. The great knight raised his hand to his face, smearing the void-like visage with bloody viscera, then ripped the skin away to expose the grinning teeth of the evil archwizard Ixiel. Aveline snapped awake from her vicious nightmare, skin coated in cold sweat. Around her, the familiar draft of her canvas command tent brought her back to reality. A constant wind buffeted her temporary home, and beyond its walls she could hear the routine sounds of her soldiers preparing for whatever the day's march may bring. The scrape of swords sharpening, the crackle of campfires cooking, 
and the unexpected laughter shared between brothers and sisters in arms. Lark's bearded head appeared between the door flaps. The lines of his wrinkled face contorted in surprise at the young knight's outcry. Knight Aveline, the guards heard you scream. Are you all right, sir? Lark asked. Lark, you're... Aveline hesitated and then put a hand to her forehead, wiping away the beads of perspiration there. Lark looked on expectantly and watched his commander with the weary eyes of a tired grandfather. Aveline swung her sore legs over the edge of the cot and threw back the woolen blanket. She gave the strategist a weak smile and nodded. Yes, Lark. I'm fine. Thank you. What's for breakfast? My favorite, roasted great bear. But I wouldn't mind seeing that rat Ixiel on a spit. Lark growled. <laughs> Perhaps for dinner. Aveline smirked. Satisfied, Lark disappeared from the tent to fetch his commander a plate. Aveline dropped her head to her hands and looked down at the greatsword the Randall, where it now laid in wait beside her cot, amid a mess of inky, paper-bound trees, mountains, and beasts. Aveline reached past the weapon to lift an old sketch of her father, busy at work behind his desk in Lucidus. More than a year had passed since her knighting, more than a year since Roland vanished. Why think of him in so twisted a manner? The knight raised her eyes toward her own desk, piled high with notes and maps, and considered the dangerous mission she'd been given. To destroy the archwizard Ixiel, and stop the spread of darkness across Valerius. Aveline couldn't help but wonder, after the warning of so terrible a dream, what bitter ordeal may await her? A Night Adrift is written, narrated, and produced by Devin McKernan. Original music is provided courtesy of Kai Engel and Chris Zabriskie. Want to hear more? Visit anightadrift.com to join Aveline's journey, follow us on social media, and be notified of new episodes, art, and stories. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Thanks for listening.